welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm David Bax. Tyler Smith is on assignment. Joining me as both co-host and guest is our friend Amanda Mankey or Mankey. Depending on how you want to say it. Sure. Yes. I'm so excited. I got double duty co-host and guest. It's so rare. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, we had, uh, I mean, I I think I had already penciled in with you this date and then Tyler was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm, he was intimidated. It's okay. You can (laughs) say it. (laughs) No, he's at the, um, international Christian film festival in Orlando. Uh, that's in Florida where he's, uh, He's actually uh, giving a, a talk, like hosting a, a, oh, a talk. Oh, wow. And What's panels. his panel about? Uh, it's about um, why critics are important, which is something oh, that... Oh, what a sweet idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> charming. I think, if, from what I understand, I mean, that, that's something that a lot of movie fans in general uh, don't necessarily agree with. And I think, from what Tyler has told me, Christian movie fans in particular oh, uh, yes. are a little bit <laughs> resistant. Nary a more suspicious bunch. <laughs> But, uh, Amanda, how have you been? I've been great. Um, I just got back from Iceland, actually. Yeah. Which is a place I've always wanted to go. Inspiring our loose topic for the episode, I so guess. So loose. Very the loose. loosest. Yeah. Um, yes. No, I had a wonderful time there, um, for the most part, except that I had a horrible time also. So, okay. you know. I want to hear about both things, I guess. Yeah, it was good because I think you should do things you always wanted to do, but I think it was bad because maybe you don't need to spend six days in in. Christoph Kislowski film, basically. Uh-huh. Like, it was very Decalogue, the entire thing. I, I called someone on FaceTime to show them the buildings and be like, look, doesn't this look like 1980s brutalist Poland? Wow. Yeah. Uh, what was the weather like uh, this time of year? Well, it rained, uh-huh. and then 10 minutes later it would snow, and then 10 minutes later it would be bright and sunny and hot, and then in another 10 minutes it would rain and snow again. So, yeah. Okay, it so was, that was the good and the bad. Yeah, the good and the bad, and it was just a long time to be there, so... Okay. And I was just by myself the whole time, staring at a space out a window, doing my part. <laughs> doing your part for what? Uh, to enjoy myself, I, I guess, think. question mark. It's unsure. <laughs> I think the fact that you're framing, like, even enjoying yourself as, like, an act duty. Of like, solitude, staring, yeah, like, well, dutiful. You know, just chipping in, having fun. It's, you know, whatever doing you can what do. Doing what I can as exactly. a human. <laughs> one tries, one tries. Um, now, look. Uh, this show doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, uh, I'm stalling for time right now. The the show doesn't pay for itself. It doesn't, uh, uh, keep the, the wheels spinning on its own. Uh, we have, (laughs) they are spinning. Um, yes, (laughs) they are spinning. Exactly. Uh, we have advertisers. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now that this, this episode of Battleship Retention is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Can you believe it, Amanda? That's an amazing deal. Yeah, it is an amazing deal. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Um... That would have been useful on the plane because there's no um, Wi-Fi on the plane from Iceland, so you could watch the movies on your phone or your other devices. Uh, yeah, what's the what's the, what airline? Iceland Air. Uh, that would be the nice one. I went on Wow Air, which was two hundred and sixty dollars for the entire round trip ticket. So that's incredible. I know it was a little scary. I was like, yeah. maybe the plane will fall apart. That's why it's so cheap. Yeah, I mean, that's an adventure in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, if you're flying to Iceland on, <laughs> on, a, on a wing and a prayer, mm-hmm. um, 
there's also a special offer for, for listeners of Battleship Retention. You can try Mubi for free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now and when you're on your wow airplane mm-hmm. right you don't want to be bothering you know you're watching your art films you don't want to be bothering the people mm-hmm. around you they're all clinging to their armrests for dear life praying for redemption <laughs> yeah. sure um, pondering the importance of critics it's, yeah, you're gonna need some earbuds and the, the place you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors <laughs> is tweakedaudio.com uh, that's um, they're, 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 I'm a big fan. I know Tyler's a big fan. We use their. We're, we're not just uh, we're not just shills. We're actually uh, clients. <laughs> um, we use tweaked audio earbuds all the time. Uh, they're wow. Yeah. Um, they're available at a low, low price. They'd block out that helicopter. Um, uh, but if you want one third off that already low, low price. Uh, and no shipping, then you're going you're to want to use the offer code pretension at checkout. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Okay. I, I like that you guys mix it up. One's battleship, one's pretension. Yeah, that uh, that was not in, uh, intentional. That just happened. Yeah. All right. I mean, um, I was going to give you a compliment for being savvy business folk, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, comment rescinded. Uh, okay. So I asked you. Well, I asked you about Iceland. Mm-hmm. Like I like oh, I have a checklist here. Guess how much a hamburger costs in Iceland. Um, well, I think you just told me it was $39. Okay, way to ruin it for our <laughs> listeners who have no way of hearing this. Do you like how I said our listeners? Yeah, because you're a I'm co-host. the co host. Exactly. I know. Oh my gosh. I feel such a sense of ownership over this episode. Absolutely. Feel free to talk over me anytime you want. Oh, don't worry. I will. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, $39 for mm-hmm. a hamburger. And an avocado. Just guess how much that is. Oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you questions. Is it more or less than a hamburger? Uh, less. <laughs> it's less than a hamburger. Uh, but uh, I'm going to say it's seventeen dollars for an avocado. No, it's only six fifty. A steal. Still too much. A steal. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. Well, uh, the hamburger is thirty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. I have to ask, what comes on it? Nothing comes with it. You don't get fries. You don't get that anything else. That was my else. next question. Yeah, no, it's just a regular hamburger. I didn't order it because I can't afford such luxuries. But yeah. you know, so I'm saying a hamburger on a bun. With um, maybe, I think, some sauce. The real thing, man, oh man, I can't believe I waited this long to reveal the greatness of Icelandic hot dogs, which is my new favorite thing in the okay. whole world. now we're talking. We are so talking. Apparently it's a big thing in Iceland. I think I saw this on, 
uh, no reservations. Yes, I went to the place that he went to, although I think that's the second best place. He really thought it was the best place, but there's, uh, so like... But you know Anthony Bourdain isn't going to go to the place that everyone tells him is the best place, just as a contrarian, right? No, but he did, though. That's that's the place that you're supposed to go to, I guess, so he went there. I went to, like, four different hot dog stands, so I feel like I'm the expert here, and the best one is... You had six days, you went to four stands, it cost you $120. And it was worth every penny. Uh, No, there's a little swimming pool out in the suburbs, which I accidentally rode a bus to, and then was like, well, here I am now, I guess I'll go swimming, which is a big part of Icelandic culture also. And there was a hot dog stand out front with a girl that had the longest crazy red braids I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why. I didn't want to ask her. I felt rude. How long? They were like way past her butt. Like really, they were fake, but they were like okay. lots of them. And she was just this like tall, strange, gorgeous Icelandic girl with like crazy red braids. <laughs> anyway, so she made these gorgeous hot dogs. So the way, they, the way they do it is they have the bun. They put fried like crispy onions on the bottom part with on board. ketchup and then well. they put the no listen listen just wait i too was skeptical and then they put the um hot dog on top of it then uh like some sort of mayonnaise sauce some sort of mustard but it's really good and very delicious so if you ever go i suggest getting one but maybe okay. not five which is how many i had <laughs> do i have to get the ketchup I mean, you can make it however you want. I'm just, if you want the real Icelandic experience, I think you have to have the ketchup. Here's the thing. I grew up having ketchup on hot dogs because that's what kids do, right? Listeners, a traumatized look has come into our dear no. co-host's eyes. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, this isn't traumatized at all. This, this is me uh, going from, you know, for, this is the, the road to Damascus. Oh, scales dear. from my eyes. Okay. Saul becomes Paul moment. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Chicago for four years, oh. where I don't know if you know... But they, like, in Chicago, they put everything yeah. in the salad bar on the hot dog, but no ketchup. And they are very adamant that ketchup Why? does not belong on hot dogs. Is that just a thing? It's a thing. Like, whole, like, tomato slices belong I've on hot seen, dogs, yeah. which I like, actually. But ketchup is, like, there are places, and this, you know, our a- absent co-host, Tyler, who um, still eats like a child and therefore um, prefers ketchup on his hot dogs. Mm. Uh, he was Bold. like, and, and also lived in Chicago for even longer than I did. Cause he stayed there for a couple years after I moved out here. Um, he tells stories of going to places where he would ask for ketchup on, the, on a hot dog and they would tell him, listen, there's ketchup on the table for the French fries. You can put it on the hot dog if you want. We're not putting ketchup on a hot so dog. So aggressive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I yeah, love that's a hardline nonsensical that's... food stance, though. You know, if <laughs> someone's like, nope, I'm not touching that bottle. You okay. can do it yourself. Like, it's a disgusting thing that you ask them. I like that. Let me ask you about this, then. Okay. How do you feel? And I'm hoping I'm not going to tip my hand either way about how I feel. How do you feel about a restaurant with, where no substitutions are allowed? Um, part of me loves rules so much that I really love the idea of just adhering to rules, even if they're just made up rules. Like that's my rule as a restaurant. I'm with you. So I'm okay with that. I really am. I feel like if you go somewhere and you know, ahead of time, it says no substitutions or that is conveyed to you in some way. That's, that's life, man. You don't get to decide everything every minute of your life. Sometimes you have to be on someone else's ride, you know? I absolutely love that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like not to, uh, continue to show for our sponsors. They already got what they paid for, but like, that's what I like about movie is that like, there's, you, you know, I could spend hours mm-hmm. on, you know, Netflix or Amazon or whatever, looking at all the, uh, the options and movie, there's 30 movies they're handpicked. Mm-hmm. Those are your choices. No, I and think one of them is going to expire at the end of the day. Like I, I, I like having that kind so you got of fear uh, of missing out. You've got urgency. You've got all the classic business tactics, yeah. limited scarcity. It's and I, well, I think what it comes to down to is that I have, 
a natural inclination to trust experts. Mm. If someone is like, okay, they're an expert in that. So like, if I'm going to a restaurant and it's like, okay, this is the chef. This is what he or she makes. This is what they do. Who am I to come in and say, no, do it this way. So are you pro critic then? Do you believe in critics? I definitely believe in critics. Really? Yes. Interesting. I absolutely believe. Is that just because you're a critic? No, I'm a critic trying because, to keep the business I, because alive. I believe in... Yeah, that's it. I'm a critic because... Tawdry, tawdry uh, stuff, man. Speaking of film criticism, let me tell you what's available on the website right now. I'm telling the listener. Oh, um, okay. But Amanda, you're obviously allowed to listen in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, uh, see, once again, uh, my, my flow's all off without, uh, without with, uh, you know, my usual co-host. Um, not that this is a problem. Uh, my uh, stony silence speaks for itself. I, I think we're... <laughs> Uh, adding new, you know, uh, new wrinkles here. This is this is delightful. But um, here's what's here's what's going on over at the website Kay. these days. Here's what you can find down at the farm. Uh, you can find the the double feature podcast. I don't know if you've heard of these guys. They're part of the Battleship Retention Fleet podcast, uh, and they pick two movies that may or may not have anything to do with one another. They watch them, they talk about them, and they try to find similarities. Hmm. So they're watching. They, they they talked about well they, they've been doing a lot lately but they did R one hundred which I never saw I don't know if you saw that mm-hmm. movie and bringing out the dead the Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese movie so that's interesting uh, oh topical uh, you know uh, very very I'll be the judge of that very relevant uh, uh, Scott and I reviewed the nineteen ninety feature film version of The Handmaid's Tale oh that Volker is Schlondorf, very topical um, starring Robert Duvall and Faye Dunaway. And now I'm forgetting who the main character, main actress is. But, typical. Um, I, wait, why is it typical? I don't know. I just felt okay. like that was the right moment to say that. Uh, let's see. Matt reviewed uh, Never Too Young to Die over at uh, uh, for a home video. Y'all let's got see. any women that write for um, this website? Well, let me tell you, Sarah, uh, who is at this point our only regular female contributor, uh, but uh, Sarah uh, saw a couple of films. She's in Boston. She went to the Independent Film Festival of Boston, reviewed Street Fighting Men and Chuck, the uh, Chuck Wepner biopic starring Leah Schreiber um, and Naomi Watts and Elizabeth Moss that's out, out now. Um, I attended the uh, Colcoa Festival here, which is uh, the 21st year. Uh, Colcoa means City of Lights, City of Angels, and it's a week of premieres of new French films. Like th- these are usually the usually the U.S. premieres, or at least the West Coast premieres. You ever seen that? Like, mm, yeah. When like a fest- like the Nashville Film Festival have this is the Tennessee premiere. Yeah, <laughs> and it gets like smaller and smaller until it's yeah. like it's the Nashville um, Municipal Thirty Fourth District right. premiere, and yeah. you're like, okay, I guess. Uh, yeah, but I guess you gotta. That's that's the currency of film festivals. I don't mean to pick on the Nashville Film Festival. Um, it's a great festival. Just, uh, have you been? No, I've never been. I've never oh. heard of it, but it's. I can tell it's fantastic. I know, and I, run I, by I just, smart it happened good recently, so it was on my mind. Um, but Nashville's a great. Uh, a great city even though as of this recording the Nashville Predators are likely about to eliminate my St. Louis Blues from the NHL playoffs trying to keep my hopes up mm. you know but it's the, the, the is that like a rugby thing to one. I, I, NHL means National Hockey League so uh, mm. the H in NHL thank you for you know mm. I assumed people knew what the NHL was no Thank one knows what that, that is. I promise you. <laughs> um, okay. What else is going on? Sarah also uh, is working her way through the listener voted uh, top 100 list. that's available at a, uh, this is a year long project that Sarah's doing where she's watching every from 100 to one, oh. uh, every movie in our top 100 that was voted by our listeners. A thankless um, task. If ever there was one. So she's at number 66. She reviewed city lights, 
the the Chaplin film. Uh, okay, I feel like people maybe voted for that one and haven't actually seen it. <laughs> um, do you want to? You want to know? I've seen a lot of Chaplin. Um, I have not seen City Lights actually. Whoa! But know, it's on your list. One, right? You allow such things to happen. These are listener voted. There's oh, a ton I of movies see. on that list I haven't seen probably. Mm. Uh, and Tyler reviewed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. And, have you seen that yet? Uh, no. Um, you know I haven't because <laughs> we were just talking about it off, off mic. Sorry, yeah, okay. I was trying to like have an actual podcast moment, but you keep ruining all of them by revealing There's, we've spoken to each other before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listeners might know that um, Guardians of the Galaxy, the original one, is, is among, your favorite it's among movie. The Marvel films that I never got around to, which is most of them. I've, I've seen. There are more Marvel. Well, they're so hard to I find in the theater. <laughs> hard to seen. find on TV, and um, no one talks about them or ever watches them. So how would you ever? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, but this is okay. All right, I'll finish my thought and then we'll get to that because I want to say oh something like that. Um, but yeah, I am attending the bachelor party of a friend of the show, Dan Gvazdan. Uh, you know, congrats on, to him. And part of the bachelor party is it's like a day long thing with a bunch of events, and one of those events is going to see uh, getting drunk first, thank God, mm-hmm. and then going to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So I've decided before Saturday, which means by the time you're watching this, listen to this. I will watch Guardians of the Galaxy so I can, you know, I, I hate to miss out. Thank you. Thank you, David. We've been waiting. Okay, so this is the thing that that, that has come up on the podcast before. I want to get your uh, your opinion because we have a, um, well, I, I shouldn't say friend of the show because he's never been on the show, but he's a friend of uh, me and Tyler's and a listener to the show who insists that with certain franchises, because my, my point of view is when I, I hate when someone says, you got to see this or like assumes that, you know, when something starts to feel, feel like you'll be, you're not a good film geek or whatever. If you don't go to see that, I, I think I reflexively sort of reject that. I notion. reject that. Sure. And so maybe there's some contrarianism in my not having seen fury road say, um, mm. which is the one that usually gets pointed to. Uh, but, uh, uh our, our friend Joel said a while ago that there are certain franchises and he was talking about the star Wars cause we had, a uh, our friend Terrence who's been on the podcast a number of times has never seen the prequels mm. intentionally, but are those the new ones? Uh, no, no, the prequels are the George Lucas directed ones from 99, 2002, and 2005. So uh, the new ones, uh, I, oh, okay, but not, but not Force Awakens oh, the, yeah, or the, the Last Jedi that's coming sure. out this year. Yeah. See, so now you got to talk. That's the thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, you got to be more specific. Uh, but yes, the exactly. uh, episodes one, two, and three. He's never seen <laughs> Joel's point of view. My point of view has always been that you don't make a decision not to see a movie. That, that's a passive thing. You make a decision to see a movie, and so no one should be chastised for not having seen something. But Joel's argument was no by watching something else you're still choosing not to watch something else no but I mean maybe maybe Terrence took a nap I don't know what Terrence did he didn't go see those movies he didn't choose not to see those movies okay that's my point of view how do you do you feel that there are certain franchises or certain movies that come out that have so much cultural relevance or cultural currency that you have to make a decision not to see them Um, I think you're often confronted by things that other people deem so important and they hold so valuable that it makes your life pretty hellish if you don't engage with it in some way. I really don't care for Star Wars that much. And I like when the movies come out, I'm I dutifully go see them because, again, it's like something that I feel like everyone will talk about forever. And but I don't care to talk about it so much. But, yeah, I mean, 
I don't okay, know. so you do dutifully go see them for the most part, but there's some things that I just I know I'm not going to like. I know I'm not going to care about it. See that that thing you're talking about—that pressure, that awkwardness, that friction mm-hmm. of everyone assuming you've seen something and you haven't—that uh, gives me life. <laughs> this is why I'm a contrarian. Like I think, but I, not liking it is the same thing. Uh, no, I feel like it's even more. I think it's even more trollish of me mm-hmm. to just. Like, cause I'm like, it's one thing to be the guy who's like on Twitter, like, oh, that thing you like, it's not actually very good or whatever, you know, but it's, which is a weird stance too. I think. Yeah. It, but it's it somehow even more upsets people to be like, oh, I didn't even like, get around I, to seeing yeah, that. I haven't even seen that. My life is so busy and full that I just couldn't even be bothered to watch one of the biggest franchises in the history of the universe. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, and I have to admit, like, it's not, you know, I'm not. I don't enjoy that so much that I'm intentionally not going to see things that I want to see, but I'm not going to make time for something, uh, you know, just to be part of the conversation. Sure. I mean, I I know that I won't like it, so it doesn't matter if I, I mean, seeing it or not seeing it, it's kind of like, I mean, I went to go see the most recent Star Wars one because it was Christmas and I was home with my family and that's what they wanted to do, but I probably wouldn't have seen it otherwise. We're talking about the, the, uh, what was it called? Rogue One. Sure. Maybe. Uh, which I, don't I actually remember. loved. I thought that was great. Um, better than The Force Awakens. But I like, uh, anyway. Um, but I remember, because I used to have that thing of, like, especially in the summer, like, like oh, I'm going to Comic-Con. I'm going to see the other, like, you know, film bloggers who are, you know, more successful than I am. And at that point, that bothered me, whereas now. So you realize um, they're all sad and alone. <laughs> yeah. and I've Nothing been, bothers you. They're all sad and alone. Um, and terrible I've people, for the most part. been to, I went to therapy for three years and also my career career has gone you know knock on wood has gone quite well in the intervening years I'm much and I realized oh I'm much happier doing the thing that I'm doing than scraping by uh, as, a, as a blogger which is what I thought I wanted to do five David, or six years ago comparison is violence against the self and I hope that you like know that in your heart I think that's I, I've never heard it put that way but uh, I think you're right and I think that's what my uh, therapist uh, taught me yep um but here's so I used to do the thing, especially at the summer. In the summer, like trying to see the stuff that everyone was going to talk about. It doesn't matter. And then though. here's what happened: I saw Prometheus. And mm-hmm. I fucking hated it so much that I kind of feel like every time there's a movie that I'm not interested in, but everyone is talking about, all it has to do is it's my Alamo. I just have to say, mm-hmm. remember Prometheus. See, I feel like I saw so many because when I was when I was the lead film critic for Film.com for many years, um, I feel like I. I saw so many the, the movies. The audience didn't, didn't, wasn't able to see your hair flip. My hair flip there. that was enormous and took up three <laughs> blocks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I saw so many movies that I got to the point where I could tell from like marketing, the feeling of marketing alone, whether or not I was going to like a movie. And just from even looking at a poster or like, I didn't like watching uh, trailers. I hate, I, to this day, I still hate watching trailers because I think they give away the entire film. Yeah, I generally avoid it. It's awful. I think if you actually want to enjoy a movie, you can't see a trailer. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I felt like I got really good at knowing if I was going to like something or not. And I have such particular taste. Like, people are like, what's the, the last movie you saw in theaters that you loved? And I'm like, uh, it follows, maybe. Like, <laughs> really? you know, I just have such particular taste that it's really rare for me to, like, really love a movie. All right. I think the last movie I saw in the theater that I really loved was uh, All These Sleepless Nights, which mm. uh, we were talking about off mic. Again. Well, I was going to ask you about it as if we hadn't been talking <laughs> but about we've it. already like Tyler and I have already talked about the movie oh, okay. uh, at length. So I figured. Um, all right. Where were we? 
talked about that. I talked about the stuff that's oh, on the Oh, can I tell you about my dream birthday party really quick? It's re- relevant, on. I promise. I need to ask you to clarify, is this your ideal birthday party, or yes. is this a birthday party you had in a dream? No, but it could probably be both. So along the lines of like not seeing something to annoy someone, I have often thought that my ideal dream, and, and the description of the bachelor party you're talking about, uh-huh. I feel like my dream birthday party would be to gather together a collection of people that I like, love, care about, whatever, and for an entire day, force them to go through a film festival of my selection and be uh-huh. like, I will give a speech about each one of these movies and then we're going to watch them and be like maybe not even just a day but an entire weekend of Amanda Mikey's like curated film festival of fun and yeah. force everyone to watch like you know all these movies that they're never going to watch because what they're be average the lovely people and they don't deserve that <laughs> um, well, yeah, that will... God I don't even know I never got around I was so delighted at the thought of inflicting this pain on others that I never got around to selecting the actual films which I feel like would vary from you know year to year it'd be hard to say because um, I, I kind of had a similar thought looking at, at the, the schedule for, for Dan's uh, bachelor party because mm-hmm. we're going to see the movie in Santa Monica and I was like I wonder what's playing at the Lemley in Santa Monica mm-hmm. and there's the Lemley the Royal there um, no not the the Royal which is um, yeah that is that that's on that's on Santa Monica is that technically I can't that's like near the border is that Santa Monica yeah the city of Santa no I'm talking it's about the, Newart. the um, yeah but the Newart's not technically Santa Monica what that's I, work, I think that's technically a Los Angeles address. Really? I could be wrong. Mike, I mean, I trust you. You know best. <laughs> no, I don't. I know, not at all. <laughs> uh, but um, and the co-host is supposed to be supportive. Um, uh, we'll get back to the royal in a second. Um, the best place to watch old people watching movies in all of Los <laughs> I, Angeles. I love it. I maintain. But no, this is the um, the the Monica the, the the Santa Monica Film Center, the one that's on like Second Street, near, near oh, the okay. ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, it was there for a while, and then they closed it for a while and remodeled it now it's uh, who can keep up what a heady Um, brew of intrigue (laughs) it is over there and they're showing the new documentary about julian schnabel and i was like Mm. i if i had a bachelor party i'd make everyone watch the documentary but yes that's my kind of trollish hell uh, as well yeah I, i say that but my bachelor party was going to a dodgers game in a steakhouse which is kind of basic but uh i've realized that when it comes to fun you I'm don't know base, how to have it. No, I'm a basic bitch. Like yeah. I like cruise ships. Oh, I like Las Vegas. No. I like baseball games. Oh dear. Steakhouses, like everything that is just and like it's that like, every man charm you've got, David. Come on. Like it, it, yeah, I get. I, that's the thing. You, is can, I you hate, can you can tell what the people like, and you align your interests with that, and that's what makes you such a good critic, right? But they're not actually. Yes, maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe that's that's my. I don't impulse. like anything, which is why I was a terrible it's critic. Anthropological. That's why yes. I hang out. But I don't like any. Like, I have never in my life played beer pong i looked on my nose at the idea Mm -hmm. but i like being around the type of people like i like being in a place where beer pong pong is being played because i think i have this sort of like again maybe this it's not fun it's fun adjacent (laughs) it's your like style of fun this is what fun looks like i'm engaged in fun oh that's desperately sad it's something maybe to bring up with the therapist (laughs) i think um but uh yeah the uh the the royal okay Mm -hmm. um so uh, I'm not sure how often you go to the Royal or the New Art. Um, I mean, I drive by them every day. Um, and I go to them probably maybe like twice a year, I would say. There is, and now I'm forgetting the name of it. Again, I'm off of my... I saw a Mustang there, I think, was the last thing I saw. At oh, a, okay. The Royal. Um, I saw... What was the last thing I saw at the Royal? I was there not that long ago, and I can't remember what I saw. Um, but... Uh, well, I know I saw um, 
I Daniel Blake there, but I think I've been back since. But there's a, a new bar, new-ish bar. It's been open for like a year now called the Nickel Mine mm-hmm. that I love because it's it's exactly like equidistant between the new art and the royal. Stumble and from so, one to the other. <laughs> yeah, but also whichever place I'm going, uh, I know there's a place that I can go get a drink before or after. They have a great happy hour. Because uh, of your alcoholism that you're announcing right now. Uh, I do have, like, if you name any movie theater or like critic screening room yeah. in Los Angeles I can probably tell you where the best that was always my favorite thing about um, oh the screening room that closed down that was right by the Beverly oh Charles the Charles Adekoff yeah well it's yeah and now that room is open again but it's not oh, run really? by the same people and now it's called the Rodeo screening room mm-hmm. and it does not have free candy which that is what, was the greatest thing yes. ever was the candy but yeah so that one I would always go and walk around to like the Beverly region or whatever it is and have an $18 cocktail yeah that's too yeah you back go in the heyday of if you, if you film cross, critic life <laughs> this is me like showing my uh, you know putting my, my, my money in my mouth is you, if you cross Wilshire and turn left on the right there's a bar called Oliver that has a or it's a bar and restaurant called Oliver that has uh, like a 3 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. happy hour I'm writing so, this down furiously uh, you can't see it but I'm taking notes I'm scribbling so that's where you want to go instead, cool. of, instead well, now, of going to the well I don't go to any screening Wilshire. rooms anymore so my life is different now and I can go to bars anytime but you still, like so you're not working as a critic anymore but you must still be on the lists right oh you I'm on all the lists yeah so you don't you don't respond to any of the invites I go if it's something I actually want okay <laughs> if it's something I'd like to see then yeah, I go. Well, I think the last thing we were both at at the same time, even though we didn't realize it until later, was the overnight, right? No, we were at, or I saw Tyler oh, and okay. Ian at um, uh, a Marvel movie, a Doctor Strange. I think I okay, saw both yeah. of them there. Maybe you were not there. I, I was know. not. I didn't go to the critics yeah. screening for that. So I think this is so the overnight so was, was the like overnight. a year and a half ago and we didn't realize until like on we were on twitter the next day both talking oh, about yeah. it that we were both there uh, i didn't i did not like that movie very much uh so i have a movie that's sort of being passed around uta right now and that i wrote and they keep being like you need to make it more like the overnight and i'm like uh, all right trying to summon some energy for that sure um trying to think of a good uh, happy hour near the uta screening room Oh, I don't even know. Uh, but uh, I can't think of one. There's yeah. not a good one. Uh, the UTA screening room is a treat uh, in itself. I don't know if you've I been I like Lionsgate screening room um, a lot. Okay. Uh, I haven't been there in a while. Yeah, nothing really around there either. That's an office nope. park type area. That is. That is no place to drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, oh, this is fine. I could do a whole episode. You should. That's a about, great one, dude. That's um, a good idea. But it, that's so, that's so inside. Not only is it like Los Angeles only, it's like critic screening rooms only. Um, but uh, ranking yeah. the candy of the different screening rooms would be what? Which ones left have some, Dick Clark still puts out candy? Beverly, Who else does? but it doesn't. You mean the Adikoff doesn't anymore? Because no, it's the but then what was the other one that was on that or like really close to there on Wilshire or something like that? The Wilshire screening room also doesn't. Not anymore. anymore. And not ever since they. Um, I saw James Rocky fall asleep in a screening there once, and he <laughs> basically swore he would murder me if I ever told anyone. It was um, great. Okay, uh, I'll ask you off mic what the movie was. Um, I don't remember to be uh, perfectly honest. I wish I did. Uh, I remember um, going to see. Uh, when I this one this is when I was still pretty new to getting invited to to screenings. So the, you still went to a bunch all the ones that you don't um, actually need to go to. I I still do that actually. Oh, that's um, adorable. 
but um, the first time I saw Leonard Maltin at a screening, which is now something that happens oh, every day, every yeah. other week at least. Yeah. Um, but I ended up sitting next to him. And now I can't remember the name of the movie. What was the John Sayles movie in like 2011, 2012? That was about like the... Zach and the, Mary make a porno. Uh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, uh, Dane DeHaan was in it. It was in t- took place oh. in the Philippines in like the 1910s. Hmm. Um, Chris Cooper was in it, if you can imagine. Him in a John Sayles movie. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, um, what the hell was it? Anyway, I can't remember the name of the yeah. movie. But uh, Leonard Maltin sat down right next to me and I was like... Oh, Did this you is die? Cool. Maybe I should say hi. But then the woman on the other side of him... She had the same idea times a oh. hundred and completely like monopolized, monopolized slash and, like terrified. until the second the lights went down, oh. she just talked at Leonard Maltin. Oh. Um, anyway. I feel like I can guess who that is, and I really want to say, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, I might know her now, but um, this was not. Like I said, I was still new. Um, you met Ebert, right? Uh, no, that again, that's Tyler. You get me and Tyler confused. I don't remember that Tyler did that at all. So yeah. I was just asking you if you've uh, ever met him. No, because yeah, when we lived in Chicago, Tyler did meet Roger, uh, Roger Ebert. Yeah. Uh, on a snowy street under the fall of darkness. <laughs> like, I'm sure it was uh, some epic story. I think it was a sunny day downtown. Oh, dear. Uh, it was when, I mean, obviously when Roger Ebert was still walking, because mm-hmm. he was walking down the sidewalk. I met him at Sundance when he was yeah? still walking. <laughs> still ambulatory, I guess. Um, that's fun. Yeah. Oh, fun times. And Kevin Sorbo was at the same screening, and I don't remember what it was. Um, Equally yeah. excited by both Hercules and Ebert. Uh, uh, yeah, you keep forgetting what the movies are on these screens. I want to know where Jim I saw Jarky so many. I saw yeah. so many movies in my life. I'm sure you did too, but, but your memory's you, uh, better. I feel like I have a pretty good memory of, if you name a movie, I can tell you where I saw it. Oh, I could probably do that too. But um, there are some I've probably forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's actually, this is so nerdy. So film nerdy, but people out listening. of everything that's happened <laughs> yeah, so far, I'm are, excited. What could it possibly be? But that's something in film school that Tyler and I used to just to pass the time. I'd like name a movie and see if he could tell me what theater he saw it in. Oh, um, oh shucks! Or if he saw it at home or whatever, and we'd go back and forth doing that. What fun! Uh, yeah, uh, my eyes are darting around the room looking for an exit, <laughs> friends. <laughs> All right, um, we're half an hour in. Should we talk about the thing we said we were going to talk about? Sure, let's dabble at it. Let's is, paw well, at it nervously. Thing. Here's what happened: is you just got back from Iceland, yes. so I was like, "Oh, maybe we'll talk about Icelandic movies." And then we there looked at the list, and we were like, "Oh, um, maybe well, not." There's the films of Baltasar Kamakor, or however you say his name, mm-hmm. who has since come over and uh, become a. a Studio hack? I don't want to say that. He's become wow. a journeyman. It's not Uva Bowl. Jeez. Uh, with, um, no, because Uva Bowl is not a studio hack. He's. Tax shelter hack. Uh, yeah, that's what he is. Whereas Balthazar Kamakor has come over and made decent movies, um, but without a lot of personality to them. He made. Wow. This is truly astounding. <laughs> the loudest, why we don't record the here. Place we record I've ever at been. Tyler's place. But Tyler had to go hang out with Christians in Orlando. Um, Persecuted for his faith. That's what's happening right now. Balsazar Comic Corps, him came over here and he made um, uh, Two Guns, which mm-hmm. I liked. The Mark Wahlberg, uh, Denzel Washington movie. He made Contraband, which I didn't like. The Mark I liked Wahlberg. it okay. You did? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember. when they go to, is it, what are they, is it Haiti? Or, or is it? Uh, I don't even, I remember Dominican Mark Wahlberg Republic. holding onto the back of a truck while like driving around or something. That's all uh, I remember. Oh, you're talking about the big, yeah, the big gunfight. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, I don't even know. Anyway, so there's Contraband. He made that. But then he he, he, he sort of graduated to nearly prestige fair about a year and mm-hmm. a half ago when he made Everest. Yeah. Which was like 
Prestige, but then it ended up coming Prestige, out in August, yeah. which is not. Uh, it's the way it didn't get a good, good like uh, awards sure. push or whatever. Was Gyllenhaal but, um, on that? Yeah, oh. Gyllenhaal, Josh Brolin. Um, uh, who's the main guy? Um, uh, was it was it Jason Clark? Is he the main guy? Oh, I um, hope so. That sounds good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, Elizabeth Debicki. Speaking of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, she's in it. Um, I'm sure, she's a lovely girl. <laughs> Uh, she was on the Night Manager. I know you watch TV, right? I do. Did I watch part of the Night, Night Manager. Manager. Yeah. So she's the beautiful blonde woman. On she that was show. very beautiful, yeah. very blonde. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, but who Balsar, else? He, who he, else? He, is... started. He's an Icelandic director. He started there. He made a movie called One Hundred One Reykjavik, which mm-hmm. I saw. Have you seen that? I have not. It's kind of a. I mean, it's kind of an Icelandic take on a on the kind of like. Uh, sad arrested adolescent man indie that you see all the time here do you know what i mean i love it sounds great that's <laughs> um, a that's a zip code in Reykjavik so i wonder yeah, yeah so i okay. wonder if that like relates to a certain part of the city i was staying in 105 so um, a little different <laughs> and then he made a movie called the sea i think was him which was like a turgid family drama it was well shot but uh i wasn't super into it and then he, mm-hmm. he made another icelandic movie before he came here that was called like jar city or something mm-hmm. i didn't see that um, so there's him, and then like two years ago, there was a movie called Rams, which I don't know if you. Uh, it was about. Uh, it's not about the brothers that had the sheep. Yes, I saw the uh, advertisements for it, but I didn't actually watch it. It was actually a good movie, um, but uh, but basically, we have reached the end of my knowledge That's, of Icelandic cinema. You know what? I was thinking about this on the way over here, actually, which is a terrible time to try and do some mental research, but. I uh, I don't actually know that much about Icelandic film at all, despite yeah. like having a fervent love for Iceland. Um, so, well, what do you love about Iceland? Bjork? Um, no, I I I feel like it came up a lot at a certain time in my life when things meant more, like signs. I believed a lot more in signs, I think, and so the movie, the Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, I believed in the movie Signs. Yeah. That was my religion <laughs> for a long time. I would leave glasses of water everywhere. You can there see, you I have yeah. one right here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I got really uh, addicted to the idea of Iceland and then um, like what it would mean to go there, I guess. And sort of like, Again, I don't really understand why, why Iceland. Hmm. I'm not saying that I am skeptical. I'm saying I just, no, you look very skeptical. <laughs> I'm just saying I want more thing. I want you to point to more things and say, this is the thing about Iceland. Um, I don't know that I knew at the time, like what the fascination was necessarily. I think like uh, there's a musician, Nico Muley, and he like was always going on about Iceland and always experiencing Iceland. And there was a lot of things about Iceland that seemed really beautiful and sort of mystical to me. And it seemed like sort of this idyllic place far away from here. I don't know. It just seemed like there was some really captivating things about it. And the landscape of course is so foreign and strange and just absolutely like something out of a dream. And I can say that for like, I went to the blue lagoon and I went to a couple places in Iceland that were so strange looking. It seems otherworldly, you know, I can see why they film stuff there that like game of thrones and places that are larger than the imagination that are like worlds that you can't imagine it's incredibly beautiful and incredibly strange i i I believe you i gotta i gotta go try these hot dogs (laughs) Um. if you have enough of them you start seeing other things too so you know Uh, so basically, uh, after yeah, exhausting uh, two filmmakers in exhausting my entire knowledge uh, of Icelandic cinema, cinema that decided, has been the podcast about Iceland, uh, <laughs> about film. Um, um, I decided, well, let's talk about Scandinavian cinema yeah. in general, and I found that um, uh, Finland is also 
kind of upper, underrepresented, but mm-hmm. they have Aki Kurismaki, the the the, the filmmaker um, who uh, is uh, uh, Jim Jarmusch is a big fan. He made uh, Lahav was like the last thing he made that was, um, um, uh, I guess, got a lot of it, uh, attention. And then they had, they had the, uh, Finland also had that movie Rare Exports, which was about yeah. the demon Santa Clauses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Iceland and Finland. I mean, I hope I don't know if we have listeners there. I hope we do, but uh, we gotta see more of your stuff. We want to see it. Yeah, I feel like it's a place that lends itself to. I was trying to think about that. I was like, why are so many artists and so many really like people who make really beautiful, strange work from this place? I think there's not a lot to like see and do in a sense. Like it's a very sort of like muted place from what I experienced of it. And I was like, oh, I think you have like really just a lot of time to think and a lot of time to imagine and a lot of time to like maybe think about other lives or other worlds or other things. Yeah. Do you know that, um, I remember, uh, how long have you lived in Los Angeles? Oh, uh, like my whole life. Okay. Okay. So you don't obviously have this, the, the same thing I have, which is that Los Angeles was an acquired taste and it took me about a year and a half of hating it here before I looked. No, it. it's always, it's, it's always yeah. been my favorite place I've uh, ever been. And I always uh, come back to it. Now it is my favorite place. Um, and I can't really imagine leaving. Except for maybe I can imagine leaving all the time, but, yeah. you know. um, but um, I did, I remember having this feeling about a year in of being like, I'm like, I miss having like weather that kept me from being able to have fun. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I miss Chicago. I miss it being snowy and rainy and cold. And I just have to sit inside with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Los Angeles is a place where it's, it's, it's a different kind of depression because you can always distract yourself here. Um, yeah, you never have to be alone. You never are yeah. isolated anywhere. You never are given over to that kind of introspection that I think is necessary for creative work. Um, I spent the entire time I was in Iceland alone and a lot of it like in a room looking out a window. And um, I did some mental creative work at the time. I was trying not to like be writing so much, but because uh, I was really trying to force myself outside to be like, go experience the place, go like really investigate it and so forth. But I think that it is a place that would lend itself to quite a bit of like inside time, quite yeah. a bit of like monotonous, uh, thinking. Um, okay. So we've, 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 t- we've, we've covered Iceland and Finland, right? Norway's also going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of big, uh, films out of Norway, but they also gave us a studio hack, uh, the so Mort- many uh, Morton Tildum who made uh, Passengers my uh, listeners my, my least favorite film of 2016 Imitation Game right uh, and the Imitation Game but he before that he made a movie called Headhunters mm-hmm. with um, uh, Nikolai Kostrovaldo who uh, yeah, yeah you're Tell a TV fan you know he played uh he played plays Jamie Lannister. I say past tense because I stopped watching Game of Thrones I never I guess watched he still it, plays Jamie so. Lannister um but yeah, Headhunters is a, a a movie that is it's not great or anything, but it's fun in a super like bloody dark uh, way. And what it's, fun! <laughs> it's basically about this guy who's a um, he's this uh, sort of little diminutive guy. This is not Nikolai Kostrovaldo, uh, who is a professional headhunter for corporations. He finds people, uh, but he's also an art thief on the side. Oh, so what I he love does that. is he finds rich people job interviews and then while they're on their job interview, Case he knows the they're joint. not at home. Yep. Yeah. He goes and steals their art. And so Nikolai Kostrovaldo plays, um, the, the, the guy who he, who he steals from, who 
doesn't take it well. And so most of the movie is Nikolai Kostrovalda trying to kill this little, like, uh, Dominic Monaghan looking, <laughs> looking dude. And Ooh. it gets, yeah, a lot of people die. It gets very bloody. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and then he came over here and make, started making boring movies. Probably for uh, a lot more money. Yeah. Or I never um, begrudge anyone there, movies, their like, hackiness. I guess I would begrudge. I, I, I think, Passengers is a I don't know if you saw it it's a moral crime I did crime. not it was it, it. I heard horrible horrible things and I didn't want to give it any money so uh, I didn't give it any money um, I, yeah. <laughs> I saw it because I'm a big VIP big big critic oh I didn't uh, know I was in the presence of greatness yeah, yeah, yeah. my I, goodness I, I, I'm so I, I, honored to be co-hosting a podcast with the, someone so famous let's just say the name David Bax opens a lot of doors in this town Whoa. one of them is the doors to his screening room in Burbank where I saw Passengers oh yes <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, and then I also, there was a movie, there was a Norwegian movie I remember coming out, um, called Elling that mm-hmm. I don't remember very well, but it was basically about like, uh, a couple of like mentally ill dudes becoming friends with each other. It was a cute so movie. Every movie ever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But okay. So we've gotten those three countries out of the way. Cause okay. really what we're going to focus on here is Denmark and Sweden. Because yes. the, now the tables are turned. You've got very prolific outputs from these two. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I should have looked up, like, the population. Maybe it's just, like, proportional. Maybe there are just more people in Denmark and Sweden than there are in the is other that how, Is that how movies country? get made? If there's enough people in a country, it, they start making movies because they have nothing else to do? I this is a wild make, theory, and you're hearing it more, here first. They would make more movies if there are more people. Okay. I'm saying the number of movies that come out would be proportional to the population. If you're done ranting your crazy theories. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Denmark has given us, obviously, Lars von Trier. Yes. Is that, who, is that who you think of when you think of Denmark in film? No, I forgot he was from Denmark, but <laughs> as soon as you said that, I thought, yes, of course. Um, so you've got Lars Are von Trier. Are you pro him? Are you anti him? Um, pro his movies, mm-hmm. which is not the same as being pro him. Well, you know, whatever, art, artist, separate, yes. whatever. Yeah. yeah, generally. But that's becoming harder, isn't it? I think so. It's really, it's really becoming difficult for me, especially. And I didn't think it would be. I thought I was someone who was able to reason my way into or out of whatever it is. But But I I think more and more, it's like, no, I'm I'm good. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. It's become part of, I think, um, certain listeners are going to hate my using this term, but like woke culture where I'm realizing like maybe Mm, not a good look as a white man friend. But that's what I'm saying is maybe like my, it was my privilege that made it easier for me to separate the art from the artist because oh, I yeah. was never the person being offended. Yes, like absolutely. I was, I know, think that's very true. When, when Mel Gibson said Jews are responsible for all the w- wars in the world, mm-hmm. it's easier for me to separate that because I'm not a Jew. Sure. You know, when, when, when Casey Affleck has this history of accusa- sexual assault accusations, yeah. I'm not a woman. It affects that, me less. It, so that really killed me because I love like, um, Kenneth Lonergan, like so much. Margaret was one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I wanted to see Manchester by the sea. I haven't seen it yet. And I probably won't see it because of that. And I was so, I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> I, he's, I live and die by his movies. I love him and I can't go see his, I can't go see it. You yeah. Know? And so I'm, I'm realizing that it's be, that as I, again, I'm putting quotes on like, as I become more quote unquote woke. Uh, well, I appreciate that you're making the effort because a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't see it that way and they see it as some sort of like, you know, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, or like that's just not something to think about, which I think is such a, again, a privileged position. Like, oh, how nice for you that you don't have to consider these things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so there, I mean, there are things I've said on this podcast before about separating the art from the artist um, and about Mel Gibson in particular that I wish I could, like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. No, I don't say uh, they're a part of my history, the part of who I am, but I've, I, I've always thought that Mel Gibson is a very good filmmaker, um, and I still feel that way, but I'm maybe a little less uh, interested in insisting on it now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, um, it's also just, like, what does it matter? Like, who's winning that fight? Like, what is the fight to be won there? Yeah, I guess I, I guess I, I no longer I feel like you can live a fully a well-rounded life without ever having seen Apocalypto, even though I think Apocalypto is great. <laughs> I think somehow we'll all struggle through. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, Lars von Trier, definitely not as uh, hashtag problematic as some of the people we've just named, but you know he did say some things about Nazis at Cannes a year or two ago. Yeah, uh, we're all definitely... Kirsten Dunst freaking out. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my um, God. Uh, he's definitely not. Yeah, he comes with some with some baggage. But have you seen the Nymphomaniac series? Uh, no, I have screeners that have been sitting behind my TV right over there, just so no one sees ten, them. Ten yards from us, <laughs> less than ten yards from us. For that what was filthy that, material is in like, this house. For three years, I've had that there, and I haven't brought myself to see. I've never seen Antichrist either. I've never seen Antichrist. I went to go see Nymphomaniac um, at the New Beverly, and was gonna stay for two, but it got late, and I'm old, so I didn't. But yeah, I mean, I was. Yeah. It was interesting, but. I don't know that I would need to see it again, you know? Um, yeah, the new Beverly, again, this is just, we're getting so inside here, but also like, I've also skipped out on the second half of a double feature, the new Beverly, oh, just because all the time. it's I'm, not the most comfortable. Maybe I'm spoiled by like so many theaters. You don't go to the new Beverly to be comfortable. But if I'm going to sit there, you know, for four, four and a half hours, it's going to, you know, yeah. it's going to get to me. I've seen, well, this brings us to a different filmmaker on our list, but I've okay. seen like, um, most of the Bergman films I've ever seen. I saw at new Beverly. Okay. And, uh, there's one in particular that is not often shown, which is the like really long version of Fanny and Alexander. That is, that is like the TV version. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Like there's the film version, which I think is only three hours. And I think there, I think the TV one is like, seven or something like it's something insane right yeah, i remember when uh, i'm not sure if it's still in print but criterion put out the dvd mm-hmm. that i think had both versions yeah. this is back when i was in college so i don't know if they still have it but uh uh yeah i like that you're like oh, the the theatrical version is only it's a mere three hours something like that yeah, it's insane <laughs> but yeah the other one is literally six or seven or something but that's probably one of i would say that's one of my top like 10 favorite movies i've ever really? seen i've never I, seen it i've never seen either version yeah it's uh it's got all sorts of things that I really love, which is just sprawling family dramas. I love those. And then, um, I think being able to really see things the way that like transmit things, the way that you remember them being as a child, I think is a really special skill in noticing that a lot of filmmakers don't have or don't hold on to. So, Cause I mean, I remember watching AI and being like, this is a really skillful film about childhood. This is not a film about from someone who remembers childhood well. And, um, but wouldn't you say in other movies that Spielberg has tapped into childhood better? Like in, I guess ET, it still feels like an adult's memory of it. It doesn't feel like a child's ex- current experience of, um, um, of it, of yeah. like life. So I think that like Bergman, for whatever reason, and Fanny and Alexander, I, th- I think the ch- children actors are just really exceptional. But if for whatever reason that film especially taps into, I think like the way that you see things with limited understanding as a child and how that affects your life. Um, I gotta see this movie. Uh, maybe it's not. Great. It's uh, great. Maybe I've seen it see. every time they show it at the New Beverly. I go see it again because it's so great. Oh, you're such a good movie movie fan. It's the only I, movie I've ever seen, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Made my reviews very confusing. Um, there are times we talked about this uh, recently on the podcast. There are times 
I've like when I lived in Chicago, I would go to the rep houses all the time. And now sometimes I don't anymore. You know, sometimes I'll. It was like three years before I went back to the New Beverly recently. Like I just stopped yeah. going. You know, uh, I'll see a listing like, oh, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I can rent it on Amazon. <laughs> That's like oh. what I'll think. I'll be like, which is, uh, I know it's it's bad, but it's uh, I'm, you know, I don't like people unless of course. I'm in Las Vegas or on a cruise or around basic people. Yeah, sure. My people. Your people. Yeah. You want to be around your people. I get that. Uh, all right. Well, I, 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 we jumped from... That's fine. Uh, but um, I wanted to name a couple of other, of other uh, Danish directors oh, yeah. real quick. Uh, there's uh, Susan Beer, mm-hmm. uh, who made uh, Brothers, the original. Susanna? For, is it Susanna? I believe so. Okay. Um, but she also directed the aforementioned The Night Manager. She mm-hmm. did that, that miniseries. Uh, but yeah, she directed Brothers, which was remade with Jake Gyllenhaal and Tobey Maguire. Is that right? Maybe. The, the that American sounds great. Remake. I don't remember. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's, uh, and now I'm forgetting his name, but the guy who made, he's clearly got a, a little, he's, he's got a, a, a what's, what's the word I'm looking for? He's got a gimmick because his movies are a hijacking and a war. Mm. Do you know that guy that I'm talking Articles. about? Articles. Uh, he loves his <laughs> articles. Yeah, um, I'm forgetting his no, name. No, I don't remember his name at all. Uh, and then Denmark, of, uh, to, to move from directors to actors, Denmark, of course, gave us Alicia Vikander. Oh. oh, and uh, Alicia Vikander. Oh, sorry. Um, I don't know how to say her name. I just whisper it to myself. <laughs> like a totem charm. Uh, but yeah, yeah Matt Nicholson, the person in every single movie ever on a list of Scandinavian movies. Yeah, but uh, when I think about it, like, I, I've seen him in much much more English speaking stuff. I think like mm-hmm. the hunt is like the only thing I can think of that the, I remember seeing him. Cause I never, I yeah. think he and her were both in a movie that about royalty. Do you oh, remember wait, a Royal affair, a Royal affair, which yes. was really he good. Was, of course. I forgot he was in it. Cause that was where I first saw her. Yeah. Um, same. I think. And I was, I really liked that film and I was surprised it didn't like get more attention or kind of stick around longer. Yeah. That, that's right. That, that, that was a good movie, but that's, uh, there's a certain kind of movie that I think, um, even, you know, I'm not a young man anymore. I'm 34. Wow. Um, Selling yourself down the river. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm barely a millennial. Technically, I'm barely a millennial. Yeah, you like cruise ships. I don't know if that's millennial behavior, my friend. I don't like millennial behavior. You know what I learned? This is so tragic. Lay it on me. I'm ready. Millennials don't gamble. That's what yeah. I've learned. Las Vegas is actually losing money because of this. I, I heard, heard that. I was so sad to hear it. I couldn't they believe it. They charge for parking at casinos now. I know. I was recently there and I had to pay. No, I didn't. I went to Circus Circus, so they don't make you pay for anything. <laughs> you went to, I've never been to Circus Circus. I went there when I was a kid and I had good memories, so I thought I'd go there again. My memories are different <laughs> than how it is now. Um, I saw the most brutal uh, moment of domestic violence I've ever witnessed in person eesh. at Circus Circus. So that's pretty great. Oh, don't sorry. go there, everyone. It uh, wasn't to me, but it was to someone else. But, and security broke it up really fast. But I was just like, oh, my. Vegas is different than I remember it yeah, being. Now I feel weird about complaining that my fellow millennials don't gamble. It seems so trite now. I think everyone should, you know, do what they want with their money. Um, it's a nice diplomatic response, right? There you go. I can still be mayor. Uh, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I did. Um, uh, yeah, my wife and I went to went to Las Vegas recently, and we got. Where's your guys' place? Like, where's your hotel that you like? Do you have, like, one place you just kind of go for what's cheapest? Like, we tend to go for um, what's cheapest um like on the strip like on the strip you want to be where the action is she she's a downtown person and mm-hmm. so i've never i've never actually i've been you know i've taken the taken a cab down to downtown and like gambled done and had fun uh, at the downtown casinos but i've never st- i've never stayed at the golden nugget no. or the d which is i guess is the newer one Ooh, um, i don't know about this one either uh, but that's where she stays when she goes with her sister or her or her friends um huh. but uh 
we we, we say I like the Cosmo. I'm very I'm a real basic bitch about that. Oh, but see that's that's pricey. I have stayed at the Cosmo once, but that's uh, oh other people always pay for it. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that makes me sound awful. No, like I get like my <laughs> friends are actresses and, and club, club promoters pay them to come, so then I go with them. That's fun. Um, we stayed at the Flamingo this time. We went to the Flamingo pool and we got severely outpartied by some North Dakotans in their fifties. Oh, they're having the time of their lives. They, they came down from North Dakota for a birthday party. Yep. Uh, they burned Vegas to the ground. It sounds like, and then well, left. They went at the, at the, at the, at the pool. They went all out with like, not just the cabana rental, but me. like the bottle service, full bar. Oh, private bartender Is there thing. anything sadder than that? Like no. that really makes me sad. See, this is, this, this like triggers a cycle of depression in me to hear things like that. Me. I think it's fun. And I'm like, oh. I'm going to do that someday when I have a ton of money because this just remind you about how we're all going to die. Like uh, seeing something like that, that oh, I think about flagrant, how we're all going to die. Every I know, second. but like I a need, flagrant display need, like that is just like, wow, we really are all going to die. Like it's imminent. Yeah, see, I, I think about it all the time. And so I need stuff like that to distract you, to distract from me. So angst this, of this life. Woman, sure. The, the, this party, uh, and, and, and the woman who was, uh, the, I guess she was like, the last bill they brought me to sign was for $2,800. And she was like, I don't know if that includes the cabana rental or if that's just the booze we've drank today. That's probably just booze. Uh, and yeah, so also, that seems low um, for that much well, booze. It was halfway through, halfway through the day. Um, Oof. and she, um, but she kept giving me and my wife shots. That's all so day. nice. And, but they kept going. We were like, we got to go. I, yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> um, uh, although, yeah, well, my wife went and laid down. I laid down for a little bit and then I went back to the pool uh, and I played $5 craps poolside because they got Look uh, at you. tables. Living it up. Um, how did we get on casinos? from you were talking about a list of things you loved and it was Mads Mikkelsen and then it was Vegas those were the only two things on the list and you said end of uh, list uh, I was talking about me being old and I can't remember how I got to oh so you went with a more boring answer okay I honestly can't remember how we uh, got we were talking about, uh, I don't think we we're talking about Danish people movies things yeah, I don't know I can't remember how we got there uh, you are uh, old I can't but yeah, remember uh, Mads Mikkelsen he's great um yeah, okay, we're done. Uh, we're done with, De- with Denmark. <laughs> Bye, Denmark. Uh, are, there any, are there any other Danish movies we should we should mention? It's going to kill me that I can't remember how I got onto. to... Uh, uh, I mean, we can wait old. silently while you try to struggle to remember. <laughs> no, oh yeah, there, and Thomas Vinterberg, I think, is also uh, Danish, who made the, the celebration. And he has a new one out now, or coming out, called The Commune, hmm. which I have not seen. Anyway, Sweden. Sweden. And Ingmar Bergman. We've talked yes. about Ingmar Bergman. You're uh, uh, a Bergman fan. I'm a Bergman fan. I'm not as big a Bergman fan as some people. My okay. f- my friend Richard Iwade, the director, is very into Bergman and like super obsessed and like thinks he's the greatest director of all time. And I mean, he is a great director, but I haven't seen all of his stuff. I think that his movies tend to be um, obviously like obsessive about religion, obsessive about like that kind of I think same. Uh, weather space that we were talking about in Iceland where it's like very like dark and cold and I think it's given to a lot of like alone time a lot of introspection that sort of things but you know uh, Tyler and I talked about this recently because I recently rewatched slash watched all of for the first time The Seventh Seal because mm-hmm. I'd only seen it when I was like 16 and I hadn't even seen all of it sure um, and it's in so many ways it's not that idea of, of Bergman The Seventh Seal is bright it's pastoral. Mm-hmm. It's fun and funny. Like it has a jester character who like well, dances around and does. Like, I mean, it's, wild it's strawberries so not, is similar too. Like it's very right. like I think lighthearted, very like very open spaces, very beautiful. I guess I'm thinking more of films like Winter Light or 
you know, silence. Like, I don't know. There's like the ones that are more that way about it where it's like more yeah. closed in spaces and that sort of thing. And the obsessive, obsessive thinking about religion. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, my, I came to Bergman through, uh, interiors, which is Woody mm-hmm. Allen's yeah. Bergman tribute. Sure. And that's exactly what you're talking about. It's called interiors. Right. It's exactly, it's all closed in and, and squared off and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so cries like and whispers. Um, Z. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I was kind of like, um, uh, revisiting slash, experiencing for the first time the seventh seal was uh, a revelation for me i didn't hmm. uh, expect to have so much fun yeah with that movie interesting i'll have to rewatch it i haven't seen it again since i was probably the same age um now speaking of fun or the opposite of it in some ways uh, uh there's another swedish film director i like named uh lucas moodison mm-hmm. um who made uh oh i first thought he made a movie which was released in the u.s with the title Show Me Love. Hmm. I don't know if you remember this movie. The Swedish title, it takes place in a, in a mid-sized uh, city called Amal. And the Swedish title of the movie is Fucking Amal. Because <laughs> it's basically like about, it's like a teenage lesbian love story about mm-hmm. these like two girls who have a, you know, a, a relationship and can't wait to grow up and get out of Amal. Uh, and it's a, it's a delightful movie. But then he went on to make a movie called Lilia Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is kind of a little bit older than what you're talking about with Fanny, Fanny, Fanny and Alexander, but a movie that feels like you're experiencing the world from a teenager's point of view. Mm-hmm. And so it's a movie that it's one of the most crushing, depressing movies we've ever seen because it's a movie about a teenage girl who is tricked into sex, like sold into sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much of the movie is from the teenage girl's point of view that you kind of like, it feels like a teenager. And so it kind of feels like this show me love. It feels like this, uh, almost kind of lighthearted coming of age movie like you've seen a million times and it's only over time that you realize like where this is going and it ends up being more devastating because it feels so much of it feels so young and carefree um, Lilia Forever is a, is an amazing movie but I don't recommend it lightly because mm, yeah. the subject matter is super heavy and it is a very depressing movie once it's once it's said and done yeah that does sound like it is heavy um Let's see. We've also got uh, Tomas Alfredson, who made. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm only talking when I'm talking about the movies. Uh, I'm trying to stick to uh, the movies they made in in country. Yes, you know, because um, Tomas Alfredson came here and made Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which I thought was uh, beautiful and brilliant. That's the movie he, James Rocky fell asleep in. <laughs> After you told James Rocky you wouldn't... He doesn't care now. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, well, that's too bad, because that's a great movie. Um, um, he wasn't the only one that fell asleep. There was a bunch of people that fell asleep. It's uh, it's kind of a slow movie. I saw it on Christmas Day with my family. I saw it at some... I think I saw it at the Wilshire Screening Room, and then the Focus Features did a big lunch like they used to do for critics, and I got to sit with Colin Firth for a long time while he told me about splitting his pants at the Oscars or something delightful. So was this an award season? Yeah, Focus okay. Features used to throw these big lunches where they would invite um, critics and every all the the stars and all the cinematographers and everybody to come and, and the director to come and like talk and move around and so you could just talk to everybody. So yeah. Gary Oldman was there and Colin Firth and we all sit like these little like a little table like this and yeah. Then the, the next year or the, a couple years later they did it for Anna Karenina. So we got to have dinner with her. Um, What's her name? Kira Knightley. I don't know. Those were great lunches. I'm sure they still do them. I'm just not important enough to be invited anymore. Uh, I got, um, 
I, I'm so you're obviously higher up the, or you were at least higher up the chain than, than I uh, don't worry I'm I, the lowest of the low now my friend <laughs> you're better than me don't worry I've been invited to very few of those but I did get invited I think this was focused did um, a monster calls this year was that a focus Maybe. one because I got invited to the a monster calls one mm-hmm. and I couldn't make the screening but I was like scheduled to see another screening later and so I asked the publicist like I am gonna see the movie yeah and he was like no we'd rather you only attend if you've seen the movie beforehand. So I didn't. That's uh, so lame because it's not like they want to talk about the movie anyway, really. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, they just wanted to keep out the riffraff. Uh, d- like, it worked. As, as soon as that it guy was done well. emailing me, he like removed my name from a list. He was like, I'm sure. That guy never should have been invited to the yeah. Monster Calls luncheon. They're like, I'm sorry, what was your name? <laughs> uh, but Thomas Robertson in, in Country, to go back to that, yes. made uh, Let the Right One In. Ah. Oh, One of the lot, greatest, uh, yeah. Wonderful movie. Um, Same cinematographer as um, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. I didn't know that. What's his or her name? His name is something I don't remember. Okay. He's a great guy, though. Very um, interesting and loves to talk about cameras. You had lunch with him? Yes, we had lunch for the, one of the lunches for that, yeah. That's nice. It was nice. That's very nice. He's a great guy. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I never I never saw the American remake of Let the Right One In. I Let me did. In. Um, the original, I really, I think I prefer the original, but I thought the remake was a pretty faithful remake so much so that the director, um, was like, I don't know why they remade it because it was very, very similar to the original. I guess just to have it in English. I think literally that was it, which is a little silly, but that's why I like the idea of, um, and there's something else Tyler and I've talked about. Like, so in 1997, Mm -hmm. Mikael Haneke made funny games in German. Mm-hmm. In 2007, he made the same movie, yes. like shot at the same locations uh, in English. And I feel like making your own remake is kind of a baller move, though. Yeah. And so I feel like because you get a chance to perfect the, the like the mistakes that you made in the first one. I feel like the, the desire to like solve any issues that were in the first one would be so strong. I don't know if I could do a perfect remake. See, I feel like he's doing like the he's just like this is just a translation for him. He's like, yeah. well, I'm going to make it in English. So I'm saying Brady Corbett was really good in that, it, by the way. Um I actually never saw the English language one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the German one is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but I'm saying it's been another ten years. He should be making the movie again. Funnier in games. Like, no, I'm saying he should make the exact same thing again, but this time in like either Spanish or Chinese. Mm-hmm. Right? Chinese if he wants to be future proof. Sure. Yeah, there you go. And that's just something he should do every ten years. Uh, well, uh, are you on the horn to his publicist? Like, wh- how are we going to get this going? <laughs> What's going to happen, man? Come on, you have a dream. Let's make it happen. Um, but you know what? This podcast is so powerful that I think that by merely mentioning the possibility of this, it's going to get the buzz going. The people are going to start writing, calling in. There's going to be like a groundswell of support for this idea. There we go. That's going to happen. Uh, but instead, he's making he's reuniting with uh, Isabel Huppert, and he has a movie at Cannes this year. No complaints there. All right. I mean, I guess if you're going to do something with your life. <laughs> Are you a fan of Mikhail Hanukkah? Do you like yeah. his movies? Yeah, sure. Um, He's great. You know. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain breed of critic who they, they don't like him because, I mean, he's such a scold and he's so obvious yeah. about it. But I feel like if you're. He's talented enough that I don't mind that he's obvious. I think I don't mind that he's blunt. His movies have all the more power for being blunt mm-hmm. because they're not blunt and dumb. Right? They're not like tone deaf. They're not like right. unskilled. Like everything looks like a nail when you're a hammer type filmmaking, which right. there are definitely filmmakers like that. Yeah. Um, although I guess his if he is a hammer, his nail is uh, uh, European bourgeois. <laughs> like sure. those are the people that he wants to. He spends his entire money or entire movies 
punishing e- Europeans with, uh, you know, with with money. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess maybe that's something that just that, appeals that, to you. You're, appeals you're smiling to me, yeah. so much right now, thinking about it. Sure. Um, okay. We. Um, and then we got, uh, so we talked about Bergman, talked about Thomas Anderson, we talked about Lucas Moodyson, we've got uh, Roy Anderson, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, I guess, avant-garde, whatever, um, yeah. uh, comedian who made, uh, uh, their art movies and their co- comedies, right? He made, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's the, the, the first songs from the second floor, and then he made that second one, I forget the name of, and then he made A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Pondering Existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's him. There is him. Uh, right. Um, I've recently, thanks to somewhat recently over the past like couple of years, thanks to the Criterion Collection, discovered uh, Jan Troil. Troil. I'm not mm. sure how you say his name, but sure. he made uh, "Here Is Your Life," and then he made uh, the sort of two-part um, "The Emigrant Slash The New Land," which stars Max von Sydow and Liv Ullmann, hmm. two of the great uh, yeah. Swedish uh, actors. Absolutely. And Criterion put all that out. And so I'm a big fan now. I haven't seen those. Those sound great. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, uh, okay. And there's Force Majeure. Did you see, For- see Force yes. Majeure? Yes. That's a great movie. My goodness. It is such a great movie. I mean, everyone said so, and they yeah. were all right for <laughs> once, you know? Like, yeah. it really it really is lovely. I mean, even the name of it is really kind of a perfect title. Uh-huh. Um, yes. Uh, and I'm a big fan of, this is, again, like, we have this idea, I think, because of certain Bergman films mm-hmm. and because of, Woody Allen's interiors. We have an idea of Swedish cinema and so much of what I've talked about with Roy Anderson, um, and with the seventh seal and with force majeure, who I'm forgetting the name of the director. Um, so I think Ruben something, I can't remember. Um, like those are all funny movies. Like force majeure is weirdly very funny. It's also, you know, uh, devastating and completely, uh, unrelenting in the way that it sort of picks apart the, the, but I feel like it has a very the, silly B plot, right? Like, doesn't it have like some very silly moments in it? Uh, yeah, there's like the drone uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing. Yeah, but um, I mean, the main ideal is the, the, the main like premise that kicks it off is that this guy, in the face of an oncoming avalanche, abandons his kids and takes his cell phone, and then he has to spend the rest of the movie sort of contending with uh, what a shitty father and husband he might be. Sure, um, but it also is full of. Uh, a very very funny stuff even like the most emotional moment where he breaks down in the ho- hotel hallway is also very funny because he's crying mm-hmm. so hard anyway uh, hmm. do you have anything else to say about Scandinavian my goodness movies? so direct such a Scandinavian move um, <laughs> yeah no I guess I really don't I mean I, I think that in many ways that I think Bergman especially sort of formed the ideal of what foreign film is for a lot of people. Like, I think that the idea of like what a foreign movie is like came it, from, from that region. So I think it's, it's kind of interesting. Well, I think it's a, it's a, I've, cause I've had this exact thought before. It's a 50, 50 split. People think what people think of, and they don't even realize they're thinking of it, but they think of, uh, of Ingmar Bergman and the thinking of Elaine Resnay and last year at Marion Bat. Mm, yeah, because absolutely. That is absolutely the foreign film. Yeah, oh, every like God, parody of French films is like is that, two yeah. people facing different directions and staring black and white, into like whispering. muttering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just last year at Marion Bat. Oh God, that's so good. Uh, and I feel like it's been parodied so much that people who parody it don't necessarily oh, no. know their parody. I think people just think that's what it like. Just have an idea <laughs> of what a foreign movie is like, and they don't. Yeah, they definitely yeah. don't know where it's from. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, well, next time you're on, we'll talk about uh, last year at Marion Bed. Yeah, for Atlanta. sure. I have more to say. We'll do about a rewatch. It. It'll be great. Yeah, there we go. Um, 
So uh, this was a very cursory glance at uh, Scandinavian cinema. We didn't go deep at all on anything. We did not go deep. We Uh, didn't provide any value or usefulness, but thank uh, you for listening anyway. (laughs) Yes, but well, I think we had a lot of fun. We talked about screening rooms. We did. (laughs) So useful. We talked about happy hours near screening rooms, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, yeah. um, I should put together like a guide. Dude, that guide, like if you wrote that up for your website, it would do well, yeah. But no, the only people who would care are other Los Angeles critics <laughs> who would all be like, I already know this, and here's either here, I have better ideas. Okay. There you go. Start a war. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you can't provide information to be useful, start a fight. Okay. All right. I'm going to do that. film critic mantra. So um, you can find us, uh, you can find me at battleshipretention.com. Uh, all sorts of movie reviews up, uh, uh, up there and all sorts of other stuff. Um, if you have any questions for uh, me and Tyler's uh, video series, video mailbag series, ask BP, you can email them to me at David at battleship com, And you can follow me on Twitter at Davy pretension. Oh, also uh, follow us on Instagram at battleship pretension. We've been actually, oh, wow. we've had an Instagram for a long time. We're actually using it. Uh, and it's been kind of fun. Um, Only kind of though. And I'm on Snapchat too. You can find it. It's in my, in my Twitter bio. Um, I mean, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I co-host a podcast called Two Girls Talking that is really popular in uh, new and noteworthy journals, personal journals. We have listeners all over the world. Uh, if you love listening to two girls yammer about literally whatever comes into their head for an hour a week, then you'll love that. The most recent episode I recorded from Iceland, so pretty fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Amae, A-M-A-E, and um, all of my info is in my bio there. My movie's no longer, that I directed is no longer on Hulu because of <laughs> all sorts of things, so you can't find my work on Hulu any longer, but you know, you could at one point, and I'll just brag about that for a second. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I like those. This is the movie I saw, right? Maybe I've made two. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, okay. The the one that I saw at Busby's. Uh, no, that was a different one. That was a different one. Is but that one available coming. anywhere? Uh, no, it got acquired and then unacquired, and yeah. So, okay. but I mean, it's online. It's nowwearenot.com, I think. Uh, Unless they stop paying not. for it. Okay. So. Yes. Um, that was a fun time. <laughs> that was a good movie. Thank you. Uh, I didn't see your second one, but that was a fun time at Busby's. Mm. We saw the other one was first. Uh, though it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 2011. Friend of the show, Laramie. <laughs> Was at uh, yes came all the way oh. down just to just to come hang out. Uh, yes, he was, well, he was the executive producer. So yeah, uh, good stuff. All right. Um, well, thank you uh, mm-hmm. for co-hosting and and of guesting. course. Thanks for the double duty. Oh, it was exhausting, but I pulled through. I did it. Um, and uh, thank you at home for listening. And as Tyler always says, even though I don't actually understand what he means by it, we'll get you next time. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.